we're back on the TV podcast talking about season eight, series eight, whatever the Brits call it, of Doctor Who, this season of Doctor Who. And we have just watched Robot of Sherwood, as written by Mark Gatiss. Joining me to talk about it are David Lore. Hi. Hello there. And Dan Morin. Hello. Hello. I have new and old Dan Morin, I guess. Wow. <laughs> so so you nice know, to be so nice to be remembered. Well, this is like a multi-doctor episode. It's like Dan regenerated into <laughs> David, but now Dan is back too, and they're working together. Who knows what I think happen. you mean it's David and John Syracuse on this episode. Yeah, that clearly. could be. That That's could true. Be. I get you I get you guys confused. So, robot robot of Sherwood. I, so I said something on, on Twitter about this episode uh which I wanted I just to run, noticed that. I wanted to run past you guys, which is <laughs> this strikes me as those and, and I don't know anything about uh fan reaction in general to this, but my guess is that this is going to be like most Mark Gatiss episodes actually, divisive hmm. among among viewers and fans hmm. because I found it funny and silly and not taking itself too seriously. And there's one particular moment late in the episode where something happens that is completely ludicrous. And it, the, the <laughs> and, and basically either you jump just one, either either you well, <laughs> well, there's one that is the most ludicrous of sure. all things. Sure. And okay. either you you look at that moment and you're like, oh, this is so terrible, it's so ridiculous, or you're like, well, of course, sure, whatever, because. It's you know you just kind of go with it or you sh- or you roll your eyes and you're like yeah it's all funny it doesn't matter and it just and, and the whole episode I wonder if the whole episode could be taken that way that this is really um, you know like the Crimson Horror actually last year you know if you take this show too seriously an episode like this I think might enrage you but mm-hmm. um, you know but I, you know I I enjoyed the whole thing <laughs> yeah I you know what I found it utterly delightful and I think you know what makes it work in this particular case. As opposed to maybe some of the earlier incarnations, is the twelfth Doctor's sort of disdain for everything that is happening and how much of a curmudgeon he is? He does not want to be in this episode. Really makes it work. <laughs> like test. it's if, just if delightful. You, real, you don't have six months to live. <laughs> but I am real. I'm real. You do. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed all of the. I enjoyed his constant sort of trying to prove what all these things were fake. I enjoyed. I loved. The whole scene with him and Robin Hood and Clara locked in the cell. Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought brilliant. Just delightfully well as they keep trying to one up each other. Oh, I have a plan. I have a really good I plan. also have a plan. <laughs> I also He's have laughing plan. again. You can't leave me locked up with a laughing man. Well, the, la- the laughing, because Robin Hood is, ha ha, I am a legendary hero. <laughs> <laughs> and the Peter Capaldi's doctor is like, stop laughing. I don't, I, I, I'm tired Your of laughing. Pantry. I don't like the laughing. Beautiful. You're bantering again. I don't approve of banter. <laughs> and that that is that is Dan. I think you're right. The um something about Peter Capaldi being this I mean, he's funny. This is the thing. He's very funny playing the doctor to be uh you know, grumpy and not wanting to enjoy things. And right. and, and and I I think that turn might turn some people off, but mm. those people are wrong because <laughs> it's delightful because he, it's funny for us. Yes. <laughs> right, right. It's the, it's yes. the counterpoint. It's the contrast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I loved the, the moment where having built up that whole dungeon sequence where, you know, they knock the keys down the drain and, and there's this, <laughs> this look and then he goes, there's one good thing. What's that? Clara wasn't here to see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that the scene in particular. I, so I love that they they 
they pulled all the tropes out of the classic Robin Hood stories, right? Which is mm-hmm. there's there's a meta meta fictional element to this whole episode, the whole thing, yeah, the stories, oh, yeah. right? And and they pull like you know they have the contest with the golden arrow, and you know the splitting the arrow, and then of course the doctor splits the <laughs> arrow, and then the Robin Taking Hood splits that, to that arrow, and they keep, degree, yeah. they keep going back. I love with the shot where oh. he, what is he like bounce it off oh. the the knight's armor <laughs> yeah. and in there, and then <laughs> the oh this is getting later. a bit silly, and then he just blows <laughs> off the target. <laughs> Well, so are you guys um, knowledgeable about all things Robin Hood? Because I, Robin Hood <laughs> has never done it for me, and I, I've never I haven't seen the Kevin Costner movie. I haven't seen the Errol Flynn movies. I, I haven't seen the BBC TV series. Maybe part of one episode. I've seen, I think all of those. So how? So, yeah, yeah and the okay, Disney so, Disney movie. Too. So as somebody who likes Robin Hood, how did how did this episode handle it? I do mean, you think? again, it, it's the metafictional and legendary element of it that makes it work, which is that we're talking about you know as as Robin Hood himself finds out later in the episode that he is a legend, um, and by hitting all those points and kind of like satisfying it, it works in that dynamic of, cause the doctor is so convinced for the first half, three quarters of the episode, maybe all the way up to the end that <laughs> yeah. this guy is fake, yeah. right? That this isn't yeah. real. It's, it's at odds with everything he knows as a, I put scientist in quotes on that. Right. But like that's sort of his outlook has always been very rational in some ways. Um, and so he, he's confronted with something that seems to fly in the face of all the logic that he brings to bear on this, um, but I think they did a nice job of sort of ticking all the boxes of like things that Robin Hood does, you know, cutting the rope and flying up and, you know, cut, using the dagger to come down the banner and like all these all these great little tips of the hat. Um, it's clear to me that Mark Gatiss is a is a Robin Hood fan, oh, at yeah. least. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I loved that, the, you know, the first meeting of Robin and the doctor and, and the fight and everything. That's it's just, on. you know, that's that's the first meeting of Robin and Little John. On, on the little path over the, the water. Mm. And, I mean, it was just really, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of obvious things, but then there were these really nice little details that, you know, Tom the Tinker. You don't always hear the name Tom yep. the Tinker. He's just in disguise. But it's like, oh, all right. Oh, also, in this case, a terrible disguise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's literally a hat. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that when he takes it off and he's like, I'm Robin Hood. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that, and this goes back to the the fact that this is um, you're you know you're watching you're watching a legend. Uh, it, it, it's told it, it's funny and broad. And again, I think you know um, I could see how some people would would be driven insane by that. But I you know I I thought it was really funny. The um, the doctor's insistence throughout that he's not real is is set up for so many jokes. And it actually reminded me there's the scene in Ghostbusters where um, Harold Ramis sort of scans a guy in the hotel and then pokes him with his finger and and he just he pokes him and he shrugs like okay and then moves on. And I thought that that's essentially yeah. what the doctor is doing here is like well you're not real. You know you can't be real. You're a row he's just like I, I refuse to believe this person in front of me is real. And um and the last line, the capper is that Robin Hood says right before he goes into the TARDIS, Robin Hood says, "Remember, Doctor, I'm just as real as you are." Right. And I thought mm. to myself, "Oh my God, is this is, is this like a plot point? Are we being set up to?" I mean, the Doctor is a fictional character. That's right. the whole metafictional right. aspect yeah, of it. But that exactly. last line is so—it's like almost sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. just as real as you are. I thought that, um, yeah, that whole element I think worked really. It worked really well. And you know, inherently, there's something silly about this. I don't think you could do a straight episode where the Doctor meets Robin Hood, right? Like, how would you do that? I, I wouldn't want to see it. 
Yeah, and I think what's interesting about this is, again, you know, as David was saying, too, uh, you know, all the little touches that make this sort of the Robin Hood story, it reminded, it made me think, well, you know, I mean, Mark Gatiss obviously works on Sherlock, too, really. He clearly has a similar, uh, you know, a similar affinity mm-hmm. for Robin Hood, the legend of Robin Hood that he has for Sherlock Holmes, who is a very similar character in some ways, right, like in terms of this larger-than-life status. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he likes playing with that uh, element of the character. Yeah, the... um. The throughout, I mean, I, t- I kept taking notes about this as I was watching it too. It's um, it, there's a nice scene between the doctor and Clara where uh, he says, "When did you be- begin believing in legendary heroes?" And she just hmm. looks at him and says, "Don't you know?" And and I was waiting for the obvious next line, which is, "It was when I met you." And Mark Gatiss is restrained; he doesn't need to mm-hmm. do it. He just lets it go because it's very clear what it is. But I, I really like that moment. And that was a moment where the existence of Robin Hood is affecting the Doctor and Clara's relationship, which is really nice. Also, yeah. it, it it echoes uh, you and James talking last week about the line where they figure out where she slaps him and says, like, what did we learn? Right. Like where you, it doesn't have to be spelled out. Right? right. In both of those cases, they let they let the audience rem- like figure it out for mm-hmm. themselves. And it's like, that's nice. It's not writing down to people. Uh, the, also, the other uh, nice moment toward the end with the Doctor and Clara, because this isn't just about, I, and I saw somebody on, on Twitter uh, this evening talking about how uh, the Doctor is competing with Robin Hood for Clara, and I don't believe that's the mm. case. I don't think it's that he's jealous that she's excited about him as a hero. I guess that's underlying it. I think it's that he just he just has decided that that uh he doesn't believe in in Robin Hood it's like not mm-hmm. believing in Santa Claus and is going to find any way to prove it but at the end Robin Hood says first off he says a very nice line which is uh when he finds out that he's just a legend and not uh the historical reality of him doesn't get passed down through generations he says good history is a burden stories can make us fly which mm-hmm. i thought was just yes, a beautiful which is line beautiful. and then he yeah. says to the doctor you are her hero, I think, which I, I really like that. That um, And the doctor doesn't want to talk about it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he grumps off well, into I, the TARDIS. I, and I, I think if, if he's fighting for anything, it's not that he's fighting for Clara, but he wants her to accept rational reality, right? Scientific proof. Right. And, you know, this can't be real. And that's what he's fighting about. Well, it's the doctor not, is, know, a, is a, uh, a fantasy character who believes in science fiction. Right. I mean, he sort right. of believes in the science. <laughs> he wants to be in a science fiction story, even when he's in a fantasy story, I think. And, I, and despite that, I think what's funny about that scene and the lead into the following scene is that Clara's the only one who's getting anything done. <laughs> right. She's the one who gets interrogated <laughs> yeah. and manages to find out everything from well, the sheriff. Of Nottingham she is the and- leader. Right. <laughs> of the group. I mean, in a, in a great scene where, again, you know, echoing the things you've talked about in the earlier episodes of the season, she's a character now. Yes. And she does, she, I, you know, she has really become a lot more dynamic than she was yes. before. She is acting for herself and mm-hmm. making things in the plot happen rather than simply being a force of nature where things, she happens to things. Well, and although he is, uh, although the sheriff is, which is Ben Miller, who was in Primeval. Um, I, I was like, I know him from somewhere because again, there's only the 20 <laughs> actors in England. Um, right. he 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 does say, oh, maybe you can be my my consort or whatever. But you know, it's not that kind of scene. 
where where she's putting on turning on the charms uh, and and using her womanly wiles or anything like that. She's like, no, no, you go first. And and she appeals to his ego. You you are you are such a great man. You must go first. Tell me how you met the uh, spaceship. <laughs> and he's like, well, you have a point there. All right. And she's puffing him up in order to get him and to talk. Nice. There's a metafictional element to that too, because she's like, oh yeah, the spaceship. Uh, you might describe it as crashing here, because how many times have we seen that plot now? Uh huh. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, she's so, seen this episode before. Exactly. And I think that's that's kind of great is she knows how to navigate this because she's been around enough to be like, yeah, okay, I, I kind of figured out what's going on here rather than everybody being so shocked at the end that there's aliens here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was nice to see Ben Miller because I, I knew him as a sketch comedian from another one of those shows that we forgot on the BBC episode um, from Armstrong and Miller. And then he's been on QI oh, okay. as a panelist many, many times. So it was nice to see him get to do more than just, hey, look at me, I'm funny. Oh, Dan. Except he's very funny. Dan, you mentioned, um, you, you mentioned about knowing that they're in this episode. Um, that the other fl- the flip side of the doctor's attitude to Robin not believing Robin Hood is he is trying to desperately to find a way that this is a Doctor Who episode. Because you know that it is a Doctor Who episode. It's not going to be a pure historical. All of these historical stories mm-hmm. they do. In fact, there was a great line in Blink. Uh, or was it in Blink? No, it was in the... Um, it was in the uh, the Agatha Christie episode where he says, "I was walking in the forest oh, yeah. because because uh, some historical figure had been kidnapped by a mad computer." And it's like, well, of course, there's always a science <laughs> right, fictional right. element. Uh, Charlemagne <laughs> had been kidnapped by a mad computer, um, and so in this episode, the Doctor is really trying to find that aspect. And the moment when he does walks is, into the spaceship. Is, right, well, yeah. no, no, actually, the moment when he does is that is that the arm comes oh, off the, the knight and he right, shouts, yeah, right. "Robot!" Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Well, like, and I thought that they combined that when he finds the spaceship later, and he's like, "Great, yes, okay, 29th century technology. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. This all plays out. Feeling, feeling pretty good." <laughs> Though that was my that was my brief moment of. There, it is interesting watching this season. The things they've decided to gloss over because they do have that scene, for example, where they sort of wrench their block out of the prison cell, like, "Oh, we got to go find yeah. a a blacksmith's forge." Yeah, was it to make a like a ceremonial plant stand or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's not that funny. Stop laughing. Because um, <laughs> yeah, the doctor can't resist sm- making a quip. Right. And Robin <laughs> thinks that's funny. And he's like, no, no, I'm not doing quippy. We, uh, I don't do banter. <sighs> um, and, but like they gloss over their liar. And next thing they show up, they have no, they have no, no they, they, you know, chains on. Right. Suffice it um, to say like, that they like took care the goop, of that. Like the goop last week or the shrinking yeah. back to size or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, the other thing that got me that I didn't really understand, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to go with it, is when they're in the spaceship and, and the sheriff comes in, they blow the door off it. And I'm like, it's their spaceship, right? Why don't they just walk in? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it was locked. Or <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it, it, it that, some of the stuff, like the, I mean, the, the Blacksmith Forge thing was strange because it was so precise about where they were going. Um, and then, but you don't I, need to see it. It's done. I, yeah. And honestly, right. I mean, we don't need to see it. And, and, but I laughed out loud because the next time we see them, Peter Capaldi is rubbing his wrist as if, yeah, just, oh, you know. I just had this thing removed. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Right. It's just kind of transparently that, you know, we, why would nobody will be seated during the dr- dramatic melting off of the handcuff scene? Although, speaking I, of which, I, well, go I, ahead. I was going to, I was going to say, uh, I I howled at that because that's the kind of thing you hear in radio shows. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I just went. I I don't know how many times I wrote that into things. It's like 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, and in theater, you would happen off screen, off Distant clanging heard as they free themselves yeah. from the yeah. cast. Yeah, yeah, so, so, I, so no yeah. No need to see it. Just a lovely touch. No need. I wanted to say I liked the I liked the robots. I thought they were kind of mm-hmm. cool. So I they like look the like they shoot. look like Jack Kirby uh, robots in the yeah, face. They're yeah, very Kirby yeah. like. Yeah, and I like they sh- the little cross thing that lines up and then uh-huh. shoots people and, and melts them. And I love I love the reflecting them with the silver platters. <laughs> oh yeah, so good, it was so good. <laughs> that was really nice. Um, and and uh, it prompted uh, at one point Peter Capaldi says, "Stupid robots with your stupid sheriff." Yeah. <laughs> wow. And someone who who is it? Some I saw someone implying on Twitter about the this has got to be Peter Capaldi's best uh line yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah. I'm already free. <laughs> there, there was I, I retweeted David Scoff for yep. that. Yeah. That's yeah. So free. Good. It was almost like a Tom Baker line read line reading, which was just delightful. Gleeful. Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got some other. Let's see what else did I want to. I wanted to bring up. Oh, uh, so there's a word in the English language that means a confused jumble of things, and I know this word. Um, and I've always been amused free? that it's so close to Gallifrey, and yeah. it's Gallimaufry. Oh, Gallimaufry, yeah. and, and he uses it, was, it in that episode. Yes, the sheriff says an intriguing Gallimaufry. <laughs> Beautiful, and I was I, I laughed because that was uh, you know inside inside baseball actually about baseball the the blog uh, Fire Joe Morgan which I I loved a lot and is no longer around that was done mm-hmm. by um, Mike Schur who was the co creator of Parks and Recreation um, that that was one of their tags was Gallimaufry and it was for articles that were literally just we just put a bunch of crap in here and here's what it is and I was like such a bizarre word these these anonymous authors are are. Uh, very good writers, and it turned out they were professional writers. But um, I was—I loved that they mentioned that. Um, I loved uh, "Shut It, Hoodie," which yeah. Peter Capaldi shouts at Robin Hood at one point. Uh, I love that the keys uh, in, in a scene reminiscent, actually, a little bit of, of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> um, mm. plop way down in a series of oh, drops. The, like the like the skeleton yeah yeah it's like yeah. you didn't just misplace the keys you like flung them across and down and they're just they're not just liked, a little bit gone they're i like that when it was revealed that the the, the merry men had stolen the golden arrows and it's like of course we stole it. we're thieves <laughs> and he was like i love you guys <laughs> Yep. When I I love that the resolution was shooting an arrow okay, so, into the into the air cuz how how are you going to end a science fiction Robin Hood thing? Yeah, so this is this is the thing that I think will will enrage uh <laughs> yes. very serious nerds, which is uh first well, first off, let me let me explain. <laughs> first off, gold is very heavy and you, you and, and soft and you couldn't if the, the amount of force required to get behind the arrow to have it fly to an accelerating spaceship, uh it, it would simply be impossible. The arrow would fall apart. Um so there's that and then also the fact that it's powered by gold. So it, of course if it's got a gold arrow touching the outside of it that can be used for power. It doesn't also, make well, any well, that sense. gives it just enough power to get out of orbit at which point it blows up? At which point it still blows up. Yeah. I but, didn't really get that, but, but not, okay. But you know, and again, logically, 
it's stupid. <laughs> yes. We can all agree on that. Honestly, like the Spitfires in Mark Gatiss's Dalek episode yeah. in World War II, sure. where it was like uh, like five minutes before they're in space, they're like, I've got, the I- I've got an idea. We'll send them into space. And it, all the engineering happened in those five minutes, right? But you go, you know, it's like you got to take the leap. Go with me. It's poetic license. Of course, this is the way you solve it, is firing an arrow into the air. And no. it is silly and it's hokey and and I would I would probably have preferred that it not be in there because I didn't think it was necessary. But this is one of those things that I think is a litmus test for people about like can you stand this because it's funny and it's goofy and yes it makes no sense and if that's like a bridge too far I get why that is but you know I'm reminded of the MST3K line you know it's just a show I should really just relax. <laughs> Well, well I, you know, I have to say, this is my now officially my favorite science fiction show does a Robin Hood episode episode. Okay, so in order to prepare for this episode, because I heard, you know, James Thompson watch the Dalek episode yeah. to prepare for Into the Dalek, I did last night watch Cupid, the Star Trek oh, the Next man. Generation episode, which was I better than... I am not a merry man. Uh, sir, I must protest. I am not a merry man. Which is was funnier than I remembered it being. It is. Like I, thought, I, I was I going in thinking it. like this is going to be really dumb and really cheesy because it's really old, and I was like, no, actually, it's not bad. Oh, I hated yeah. it so much when it aired, <laughs> and I have not watched it since. There is really good banter between Picard and Vash. Like they have mm-hmm. a really good, they have good chemistry, and they just and- argue the entire time, which is kind <laughs> of hilarious. Well, it's interesting because he has a similar disdain for where he's been placed right. and what he's being forced to do. Yeah, I, I thought I thought there were similarities between them. I mean, like obviously, yeah. granted that was you know the, in the, in the Doctor Who episode, it's real <laughs> as opposed to in that one, which is like a pocket universe type thing. Right. But it is still interesting to see that comparison, like because again, it sort of hits the high notes of like all the crew members are dressed up as as characters, you know, and like we're going to have to rescue Maid Marian and all this, so. You know, there's a lot of it sort of does the same thing of like putting people into certain tropes in order so that lessons may be learned about things. Um, I had a few other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, I wanted I didn't want to go without mentioning the uh, fantastic spoon duel, (laughs) which if you notice, you may have you may have missed it. But but in the very beginning, when he's talking to Clara, he's eating a spoon, he's eating something yeah he's got he has he like has a spoon and he's like licking stuff off the spoon and then he just tucks it into his jacket pocket you know it's just a little touch that's not going to be important later and well and it's in the spoon isn't it in the assortment of stuff that the sheriff is looking over when he sees his his screwdriver i think the spoon is next to it yeah yeah sure but i mean immediately he goes out and the spoon he he puts on his dueling glove and removes (laughs) his spoon for the spoon duel with robin hood which is actually a really funny and exciting scene and the kids all uh cackled madly at that scene that's a very princess ride too that is some impressive work with a spoon yeah yeah he's really (laughs) good as my viewing companion noted was it is it a reference to the alan rickman line from prince of thieves where he threatens to cut his heart out with a spoon i haven't seen that movie because it will hurt more huh i I was also thinking of why spoon and spoon uh, arthur's uh, battle cry of spoon Oh, wait, no, that, that is the tick's battle cry. Tick's battle cry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not it's in the fun. face, not in the face. That's all right. Yeah. That's all right, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, it's yeah. not like I don't have, like, six tick figures on my desk right here. It's just a It's just a very funny and very Doctor Who, and very Doctor, 
moment. I'm, yes. I'm talking. My son said, "No guns, no swords," but he has a spoon. Um, <laughs> and uh, although, the, the, have yeah. we seen the sonic screwdriver make? non-mechanical objects explode before because i felt like that was new <laughs> well i thought well, about that i know but I, you see his um, the... his arrows were embedded in the thing right so he probably and we found out later ah, that he was cheating so i figured he, he's like hawkeye he's got the homing arrow and the yeah. explosive arrow and all and the he's arrows. great at boats um yes yeah. i did like that confession later on with like oh yeah you definitely did better i totally cheated at put a homing device <laughs> <in the arrow." laughs> it's like that's such a doctor thing to yeah. do like i i just loved when they're in the dungeon and He's, you know, they're, they're doing the I have a plan, and, and Clara look, looks at him and says, Can you tell me about your plan without using the words sonic, <laughs> sonic screwdriver? screwdriver. <laughs> no. And that just made me happy. Yeah. Yeah, she knows. She knows all of his tricks. <laughs> um, That's nice. That's a nice dynamic for them to have where mm-hmm. I think, you know, as we've seen them settle over the last few episodes into this r- rapport, um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to like how to characterize it. You know, whether it's sort of like a not quite like a like a like a doddering old uncle, <laughs> but like uh-huh. there is a, a wacky sort of you know rapport where she's you know kind of now knows all his tricks and now sort of realizes all the things that he falls back on since it's not just about the charm and like flirting between the two of them. It's now I don't know. There's there's an interesting friendship growing there, which I I really am enjoying. I feel like he's yeah. tro- he's trolling her, and I, I've I've had people I've had people take take some of his things okay. that he says to her seriously, and it's like I think he's just giving her a hard time because he's yeah. comfortable with her, and she can't. I mean, he can't do anything to her anymore. Like she she's got him right where she wants him. She knows all his tricks, so all he can do is be cranky and say things that she just ignores. Can I just say I don't know if you guys I listened to your your episode about the first uh the first episode of the mm-hmm. season and I'm not sure whether or not you you picked out my favorite line from that entire episode which is nothing is more important than my egotism <laughs> which I thought was I laughed really hard at that because it's just it's a perfect encapsulating mm-hmm. one-liner that that's that's my uh that's my second favorite line from that whole episode my favorite being yeah. oh you have a dinosaur too yeah that was a good one as well <laughs> um yeah, it's I also my favorite line too. I, I also wanted to mention uh, the con- the running joke of the uh, the bard who keeps getting his loot taken away because nobody <laughs> well, wants to hear him sing. Which happens That's, in the in the Star Trek episode yeah. too. Jordan's like plucking Trek. at the loot and Warf grabs it and just gets it against a tree and, and smashes goes, it. Yeah, and then goes sorry. It <laughs> just that, gives that it that back to him. The, <laughs> That's like a running joke through all the Asterix and Obelix comics too. Over in mm-hmm. Europe, where they they have a bard who is by the end of every issue tied up and gagged <laughs> outside the village, just you know, mm-hmm. use it over there while we feast. Um, other other thing I wanted to mention the last thing from the the story proper, which is that we do get the mention of the promised land. This is our mm-hmm. story arc. This strangely kind of mm-hmm. empty spaceship has a um uh screen that's saying destination of the promised land, which we've heard before from the half faced man. Um, and so that's obviously our little, uh, little subtle touch of the, uh, uh subtle ish touch of, of the yeah. story arc for this subtle episode. Ask. We don't see Missy in this episode, but we do, uh, we do have the promised land. <laughs> I, I was saying before, and, and the kids agreed. I mean, both of them were like, why is this even here? It's, mm. it's taking up time from showing us the 12th doctor. Yep. We like the 12th doctor. And and the more I thought about it, I, because I had part of the afternoon to think, and I was like, actually, yeah, you know, if you always have a story arc and you always have a big bad uh-huh. that's threaded through everything, 
then none of them are unique and none of them are special. It's never an event when you have a story arc now. And that's the worst thing about the, um, I was just watching with my family. We're doing the kind of like rewatch from 2005 on and we're in the Matt Smith era. Now we were watching, uh, the doctor's wife the other night and that's a great Mm. episode, but there is the obligatory is Amy pregnant or not scene at the end. That's just like death. Cause it's just, I don't why no, it doesn't need to be in every single episode. Um, it was fast, and it also actually provided some sort of explanation that this is a ship that was trying to go somewhere, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Right. I mean, I do like the story arcs. I tend to enjoy them building to hmm. something, um, but I, you know, I, I kind of understand what you guys are saying, and I, it definitely takes you away from things because it's, especially in this season where it's like the action is happening elsewhere, right? Like right. with all the well, and- cutaways. You know, there's nothing wrong. It's sort of like Burn Notice did this, too, where <laughs> they would have these really good standalone stories, but then they still had to shove a, a little snippet of oh. their story arc in. Though I will and say, it's like, I'd can, like that better with do that it. show. <laughs> well, yes, it was, it was more artful. Because that was what I was hanging out for. It was like, I'm really bored by yeah. your story of the week things. To keep well, me, yeah. Like, What's going on yeah. with this overarching plot? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, sometimes it, 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 it's like you were saying. It's okay to skip an episode or two. It doesn't have to be in sure. every episode. Yeah, right. And one like this, I mean, just let it be a fun episode by itself. Or The Doctor's Wife. Just let it be a really, really good episode all by itself. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. I, I think we're, it was more. We're coming a, back next week. Yeah, it was trickier. I think they they sort of held on to it because in the last couple seasons when they've like broken up the seasons, I felt like they needed more to like yes. harp on it to be like remember there's this thing happening. Whereas in some of the earlier seasons they could they could make it much more subtle or less right. common. Like I think look back to like Bad Wolf, right? And it's like right they sprinkled it throughout there, and sometimes it was just like in the background or something like that, and it was like little, well, and it was really in the background until the last yeah. three episodes. No characters even commented on it until right, right. Which I think was I think was a better use of that because then the again it's the same thing we talked about earlier with letting the viewers figure things out. Rather right. than having it brought to the foreground, maybe we could just like maybe there could be hints in the background and like let the viewers put it together. It's right. it's, it's like it's like Futurama having their little alien language that they thought nobody would figure out until years and in, into the show, and people were already deciphering things by the end of the first season. Yeah, yeah, or like but, you know they like never lost, called attention to it. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um don't don't get me on lost. I, I should mention yeah this is this podcast is not long enough for that the um <laughs> I should mention that uh uh, uh p- about a page of the script of this episode um got removed from yeah. after it was shot yeah. um and just as a note in case people don't know the story um because of the journalists uh who were uh, beheaded in Syria. Uh, the action scene in the climax was re-edited at the last minute. Originally, what happens is the doctor pulls the tapestry on the wall in the little gold reactor room down on Ben Miller's head, and Robin Hood chops it off. And um, and then the head begins to talk, and it's revealed that he um, the spaceship, when it landed, fell on the sheriff. And they rebuilt him, and he's half man, half robot, and then he puts his head back on, and the duel continues. And in the final episode, there is one shot where you can sort of see that they're close, and then Robin Hood and the sheriff, and then suddenly they're further away, and then they go huh. up onto the rope, or, or go up with the yeah, ropes. The beam, yeah. Um, and it, that, it that did was, seem odd. He starts talking about, edits. I'm half man and half machine, a new, uh, you know, a new model for the future, and it's like, really? Yeah. Did I missed that? And the answer is, yes, you missed it. They took it out. 
Uh, I wonder if they'll they'll uh, put that back on the Blu-ray or something. But it's just an, it's if nothing else, it's a Doctor Who trivia note that they mm. uh, at, apparently at some great expense um, because they had to recall the episode and you know put out a re-edit and you know get everything because it's a worldwide I, I thing. I knew they to, had to removed it, stuff, yeah. but I didn't. Honestly, I did not. I was kind of looking for it, and I did not notice. That. No, I had to go back to and, yeah, and compare it to the script sense. that was leaked <laughs> to figure it out, <laughs> uh, which I well, hadn't I read, say, but I did have. Yeah, I, I I have them too, but I have not read them. I was I I have them because I was curious about the just the format. Yeah, yeah, because it is very different from U.S. TV format. Um, but yeah, no, some of those edits just seemed odd to me. From like when when he's about to take the knife and go down the tapestry, and yeah. It's a little choppy there. Yeah, they pulled some stuff um, out. There's a couple lines but, from Peter Capaldi, and there's the the yeah, and they just kind of because and it's, I mean, they did a fairly artful job in the sense that um, there are two different moments when they're kind of like at odds with swords, and they manage to weld them together closely enough that yeah. in the moment you don't you can't tell that yeah, it's it there. It didn't didn't bug me. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah, it was fine. But it's just interesting. Gonna, yeah. So I was going to say, a thing I noticed that I'm not sure, I'm trying to think back now and notice whether this is true or not, but I feel like the 12th Doctor is much better at flying the TARDIS than any of his predecessors. <laughs> yes. He seems to like do a pretty good job of like landing where he wants to go, except for the Glasgow incident. Um, and Although I did like the 1190-ish. Ish. Yes. <laughs> right, but we know um, that the TARDIS takes him where he needs to go anyway. Yes, but I I think I don't know. It seems like he's he's much more comfortable in it in some ways than some of his predecessors, who often seem to have a more contentious relationship with it. Yep. And oh, my other uh, Doctor Who trivia note, which is uh, I was kind of um, appalled as a fan in the sense that uh, in the first episode of the season, when they cut to the opening credits, they replaced the traditional Tom Baker ish you know screeching sound. You know the one. With mm-hmm. this like eighties like poof, 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 kind of thing that goes into the theme music, and I thought this is not Doctor Who. Doctor Who is like, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the screech is back this this week. The screech is back. That the, the mm-hmm. opening tag leads right into that same space. Screech, Doctor Who screeching sounding. <laughs> wow, it's not thing. playing. Cl- I was not paying close enough attention. Uh, to that. Well, I I, I it might have been there last week. I didn't know, but I remember the first week. I, that it was like this weird like electronic plop instead and i was really disappointed and this week i realized oh yeah they brought it back so i think that that's interesting too that um with these episodes you can actually see them tweaking and this happened with the opening credits like a year or two ago too where yeah. they, they they made changes to the music they made changes to changes to the sound effects and they even made changes to like the opening sequence as yeah. the season went along um, last season they did some of that purposefully, but the season before, I think they actually were like fixing it as they went, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and they seem to have put back guys. Don't the, you have enough time? You don't have to do this like between episodes. But that like, that sound oh, is very yeah. Doctor Who to me, and I think it's very. Uh, it, yeah. it brings a, a big impact to the to the the cold open going into the opening credits, and and in deep breath, it was I thought uh, kind of weak. And uh, I was really happy to see that. So that's a total uh, nerd out moment. But uh, you know, well, I, listen for and it, I, and you'll you'll hear it now. You know, obviously, um, Moffat and Gatiss and all are are you know lifelong fans of yeah. the show. But I wonder how much of this is Capaldi's 
fandom too because i mean he is you know i mean there there's talk that he's sort of standing firm and going okay we're not going to do this we're going to do this i've heard he's done some this is the doctor he's had some opinions about what the doctor does yeah and and i like that i Mm -hmm. i think i think the show has needed that actually um well i think i think we're three for three on peter capaldi uh, being impressive right like this is not a this is not something that i think is going to change he's really great yeah (laughs) i've actually and i Go ahead, David. I, I, I tweeted earlier that, you know, I enjoyed watching Tennant and Smith. I love the show anyway. Capaldi, I want to write for. Uh-huh. I, you know, and that, I mean, to me, that's, I have, there hasn't been a show on that I've, I've like, burned to write for. You know, I, I look and go, yeah, I could write that. Or I could write that. But this is like, oh, yeah. You know, I was, I, I was thinking about uh, ideas for Tesla and the radio show. And I thought of one that, that was like, Oh, that would be that would actually be a good Doctor Who, and then I realized, ooh, there's a way to make it a really good. Oh, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a bad thing now. <laughs> and I was going to say, I've I've actually really, I think I've enjoyed all three episodes this season. Um, some of them, I think, more than than you guys did for some of the other episodes. But I I have at least I have I it is that thing we were you know you guys discussed in some of the earlier episodes. Like I really have felt this season for whatever reason that I've been able to sit back and relax and just enjoy. It. Like I agree, just be yeah. like, there's nothing yeah. you know. There's there's little nitpicks here and there, but it's not been as there were so many episodes in both the later Tenant and some of the Smith where it's like, oh, I want this to be better than it is. Yep. Yes. Whereas in this one, it's yes. like, yeah, you're giving me kind of exactly what I was looking for. It's just fun. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. We'll see if that changes with some of the next ones, which seem like they might be a little, a little creepier. Um, yeah. or a little more serious, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I loved last week's episode. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I mean, it too. The only my only real issues with Deep Breath were the the plot, but I loved the character work. I love Capaldi, and then last week, you know, and and so going into last week, I was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. And I really enjoyed that. You know, it was everything I would have wanted from a Fantastic Voyage into a Dalek. <laughs> and and last year, last season was really not very good. I mean, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't very good. It was. It was. It had some moments, but um, I, in in I, revisiting them, some of those moments are like, oh, thank goodness, this isn't terrible like that other episode. Not I, this is yeah, great. I think you there, could say that about a lot of the Eleventh Doctor's tenure. Unfortunately, yeah. as yeah. much as I loved Matt Smith and thought he was good, the really great episodes were fewer and more far between. Mm. I think than we most of us remember. Yeah. Yeah. The Angels Take Manhattan pissed me off. Oh, yeah, that's not I didn't like that. Oh, I really hated that episode. It's not good at all. Really hated it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, most of last season didn't do it for me. I liked liked the Cold War one. Yeah, yeah, that was Mark Gatiss again. Yeah, and I liked the... the Ice Warrior reference this week, too, so that was nice. I liked the one that was almost a Quartermass episode. You mean Quartermass? Quartermass. Don't call it Quartermass. Damn it! They, that quarter mass was eliminated when they eliminated the shilling. It's all from the BBC. BBC. Yep. Mm-hmm. Someone will be um, writing in any moment. Any now. moment. I can't believe yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. It. It's an mass. arrow that shoots the rocket ship yep. into space. Yeah. Let it, does. it go. It does. Maybe the maybe the force imparted by the arrow <laughs> on the ship boosted it into space. Near Never think queens. of that. Physicists. That episode was gold. Ooh, I was waiting gold. for actually my son was speculating that the knights were cybermen and I thought well the gold would make sense sort of with cybermen because they have uh you yeah. know they they need or they're killed by gold or they're allergic to gold or something like that so I don't know 
but we never really knew much about those knights other than that they were that's robots right. who lost that their works. arms. Yeah. We don't need every villain to be like have like an elaborate backstory. backstory no. <laughs> yeah. Again, I I like to just sit back and relax and quite frankly, uh, oh finally there's a robot is enough for me. It's <laughs> <Right>? the relief. <laughs> well, yeah. I was saying this last year when when you know when they first said, "Okay, we're getting rid of Amy and Rory and we're going to have a new companion." And my first thought before I started watching them and going, "Oh, she's a puzzle and it's a big long thing." My first thought was, this is what I've wanted for, you know, I don't know how many years. I just want a doctor who has a companion and they go and have adventures. Uh, this is not rocket science, right? And, you know, just 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 do that. And I think we're finally back to that where they're just going to have adventures. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've reached the end. That's uh that's a uh, robot of Sherwood onward to the very creepy episode t- uh, trailer that we saw for something called Listen and there's like hands coming out from under beds because <laughs> Stephen Moffat enjoys uh playing on childhood fears and this is a standalone Stephen Moffat episode that's not connected to the the you know it's not it's not the season premiere or season finale or any of that it's yeah. it's uh in fact he said that he wanted to write an episode that was just sort of a proper doctor who episode and not part of a big uh overarching this is my complaint about russell t davis is i really loved those episodes for him much better than the the story arc episodes that he wrote oh right? yeah and did he so, write midnight he uh, did. Russell T. Davis wrote Midnight. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's a good say, that's, example. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. like that. So I think this, I think this is Russ, uh, or Stephen Moffat's attempt to do another Blink or Midnight or something like that. That's creepy and standalone. And I'm, I'm looking down forward to for it. that. Yeah, because we have not really had a good episode of that sort in years. And whatever you do, don't perspire. Yes, whatever it is, um, and whatever body function you need to try to not do, that's it, involuntary and you can't not do it. So come back next week. I don't know when we're going to post that episode. Um, I'm going to be in Portland but uh, but uh, on a, at, at the XOXO conference, but Glenn is going to be there and Glenn and I are going to find a way to watch that episode and then talk about it live together in the same location, believe it what? or not. I know, and post that when we can. So it's crazy talk. I know, and if that falls through, I'll be sending you all emails saying can you guys have a conversation because i can't but uh failing that uh thanks david lore thanks again for uh for talking about doctor who with me thank i will banter anytime you Mm, want i i appreciate it and and thank you dan warren you are the you 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 are the first dan i thank you i need to go make a decorative plant stand all right well done (laughs) and thanks everybody for listening to the tv podcast see you next week Yeah.